everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. This episode of the show is being sponsored by my friends over at a company called Real Mushrooms, realmushrooms.com. Sky Chilton and his father, Jeff Chilton. I interviewed Jeff a number of episodes ago. Uh, Really interesting guys. I I really enjoyed that conversation with Jeff. Um, And it's a company that sells and distributes medicinal mushrooms in powder or capsule form. Um, I was really happy to have these guys come on. Uh, I think they're very much in alignment with the the values of the podcast. Uh, As you all know, a big part of this podcast is uh, about uh, plant medicine, holistic medicine. And I I think the benefits of medicinal mushrooms are are truly fantastic. And I think there's really a growing body of work uh, that's really showing and alluding to all of the amazing properties that mushrooms have. Um, They sell a lot of different mushrooms, um, things you've probably heard of, like reishi, chaga, lion's mane, turkey tail, cordyceps. Um, those are all mushrooms I work with. They, they're they're part of uh, what I consider uh, for myself a, a really holistic uh, supplement regime. Um, and the, the thing I really love about their company, not only are they really good guys, I think they're really ethical guys, um, but... Um, the, the product is really amazing. It's all uh, 100% mushrooms. They're organic. Uh, and, and that's really rare. For better or for worse, the supplement in this industry is, is highly unregulated. Um, and so often when you get supplements, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. You may be getting some mushroom. You may be getting a bunch of fillers and other things. Oftentimes, even when you're buying what may be a mushroom. It may not have any of that mushroom in it at all, unfortunately. Uh, even some of the big, uh, I think even the biggest company that, that sells mushrooms, actually it's not the fruiting body, not the mushroom itself. It's the mycelial, which is grown on grain, and then those things are mixed up and then sold in a supplement form. So not only are you not getting the mushroom itself, you're getting the mycelium uh, mixed with grain. So um, it's one of the amazing things of real mushrooms is it's exactly that. It's real mushrooms. So it's 100% mushrooms, organic. So you know you're getting a really good uh, product. You're getting the actual fruiting body, the the mushroom itself, 100% of that. Um, And again, just really great guys. I'm I'm really happy to have them on and supporting this podcast. Uh, So if you'd like a really good product, uh, you'd like to start working with medicinal mushrooms, um, check out their site, realmushrooms.com. And also listeners of this show. Uh, If you go to their site, realmushrooms.com forward slash universe, you get 25% off your first order, uh, which is a really good deal. And I think once you uh, uh, start working and and tasting their products, you'll you'll really uh, see and feel a big difference. So uh, thank you to them. And uh, I think that's it. And without further ado, here is the intro to the show. Hey, everybody. On this episode of the show, I spoke with a woman named Satya. Um, She's a really interesting woman. Um, Actually, her assistant, Anna, who I had a chance to meet when I was in Portugal recently, had reached out to me a while back about setting up an interview with Satya. Um, But at the time, it didn't work out. I was, uh, I think, quite busy uh, with travel. Um, But when I went back to Portugal recently to run Dieta, uh, through some serendipitous events, uh, we were able to reconnect and, uh, and set up an interview. So it was a, a really beautiful conversation. Um, I sat down with Satya and we spoke about uh, her past, her history, which is very interesting. She was, uh, she was working for 
uh, I believe Billabong. She was a professional surfer. And um, then through some own events in her life, uh, she began kind of this journey of, of inner transformation. She spent a long time in the Amazon rainforest working with a, a really good and well-respected uh, curandero ayahuasquero named uh, Jose Campos, who also wrote a, a really good book on specifically ayahuasca, but, but plant medicines in general. I believe it was called The Shaman and Ayahuasca which I read and and I think it's it's truly excellent. It's it's very simple but but very profound in its in its simplicity and its teaching. Uh, so yeah, we we talked about her past, about her work with with plant medicines and um really bridging a lot of different therapeutical modalities um into into one into to to one practice of of healing and transforming and educating um so it was a really fascinating conversation i, I think she's a, a really interesting and beautiful woman doing really beautiful work uh, i've had a chance to meet a, a few people who work with her and they all have uh, amazing things to say and and just sitting down and in her presence and and i think her history and her dedication uh really speaks a lot to her and and now really uh, part of her work is is getting uh, these messages out and, and also working on things like um, kind of the, the global mental health uh, field, uh, even moving that to, to centers like the United Nations and bringing this work out into the world, uh, I think is really important. So I very much enjoyed sitting down with her, getting to know her a bit, and, and hopefully uh, I'll be able to connect with her more in the future. Um, so I think and hope you all will really enjoy this episode. As always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Uh, Patreon is a really beautiful option for as little as a dollar a month. You can sign up. There's different tiers that you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Uh, to all of the people who have supported that way, to all of the patrons, as always, thank you very much for your support. I, as always, very much appreciate it. It's really what allows me to continue to... Uh, to continue doing this podcast and to bring on these these fascinating guests like Satya. Um, so if you're able to support that in a way that's deeply appreciated, um, there's also the ability to direct donate via PayPal. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. Uh, and if you're not able to do that, as always, just doing some of the really simple things. If you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble, um, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, uh, those all really help with the algorithms, leaving any questions or comments in the comment section. And then with the audio version, um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are still the big ones, so so following or subscribing to the show, uh, leaving a starred rating and a short review, that's also a really big help. Uh, so I think that's it. Uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Satya. Uh, well, so welcome. Um, we were just talking a little bit before we got started, and uh, we have some, some mutual friends. And actually, Anna had reached out to me 
yeah, it was probably over a year ago uh, to interview you. And at that time, I was quite busy, um, I think, with working and traveling, and it was hard to, to schedule something. And then, like many things, it kind of falls by the wayside. And then I'm back in Portugal, and serendipitously, things uh, put us, put us, put our paths in alignment again. So thank you very much for coming on. Um, some of the audience may be familiar with you. I, I imagine there, there's others who aren't. So maybe just to start, you can, you can tell us a bit about yourself. Who is, who is Satya? What do you do? Uh, and, and kind of how did you end up in this, this role that you're in right now? Mm -hmm. So first of all, thanks so much for your time and uh, you know, to be here together. Thank you, Jason. Um, so how did I end up here? I believe that everything started with my own, uh, own inner healing journey. Um, I was I born a very sensitive child. So to born in a very scientific, high cultural uh, family was not so easy for them to have a child like me in, in the sense of um, questioning, you know, existential questions, asking what is death, uh, how is, what is God, why there's war, if there is a God. So for them was very rational and these spiritual questions was, they were not so at easy. And so I had to start looking for answers in other places in a very young age. And uh, I was sexually abused from five to 13 years old. And that brought me to a place that I really had to ask for help. So from very young age, I found surf, nature. So I was surfing. I was the first generation of women surfing in Portugal and in, in Europe. Uh, all my frustration and pain, you know, could come out on the big waves. So somehow surfing was um, bringing me to a place of healing and more balance than maybe if I didn't have anything. So it was very important for me, this connection with nature. Now, as an adult, I can see how I couldn't trust human beings and how nature became my master and still is, of course, and how that connection with uh, the divine grace of existence, you know, the, the, the mystery of life itself really gave me a lap to cry, a lap to, to enjoy the beauty of uh, life uh, without losing the innocence that I already lost uh, somehow with that sexual abuse. So, and then I started to, to find libraries because to ask for help in that time was very, very difficult. To go to a psychologist was like a taboo. Uh, my mother was a psychologist, so imagine. Uh, so I had to ask for help alone. So I started to really read a lot about spirituality, religion. I started to went to different kinds of religions in Portugal. And then when I started to travel, because I started to travel very young age, so I could compete in professional bodyboarding outside of Portugal. I was always meeting these indigenous tribes in Indonesia, Hawaii, you know. Everywhere I would go, I would look for uh, answers, not only surfing. So that's how I started. And uh, one day um, I met Ayahuasca along the way. And of course, I did a lot of therapy, Osho work trauma work, you know, for a long period of time. But when I met Ayahuasca in my life, I felt the first ceremony that I arrived home. I, I remember myself in a road saying, you know, talking to the Great Spirit, like, 
come on, life can be just this, you know, that we all grow up, work, get married and kids. This is not for me. Please bring me what I need. And of course, being a surfer in that time was already totally out of the box. Huh? Uh, so when I met Ayahuasca, the level of healing that I had in my first experience um, was so deep that I understood there's, there's things of our existence that therapy is not enough. Even spirituality in terms of only prayer and self-observation uh, to, to expand the observer is not enough because we have um, a self-defense mechanism that is so strong that uh, there's a lot of layers inside of us that they are here with the history of this life and the history of so many other dimensions and our ancestors that we can't reach out, we can't grasp and they live inside of us and they have an effect. So when I had the first meeting with Ayahuasca there was this man that jumped on me and tried to abuse me, imagine, in the first session. And what I understood was the first time in my life that I could defend myself. I could grab my own power to defend myself again. So I beat that man in a ceremony of ayahuasca. As you know, we don't touch, we don't speak. And I saw in the middle of the visions while I was defending myself and honestly kicking that person. Um, that my little girl, Rita, it's her birth name, um, she was, you know, rescuing you that frozen part of a child and when she's sexually abused she can't move because she doesn't have the strength, the power uh, and how I how was flying away to spiritual world so I could survive. So if I was very sensitive with sexual abuse, I became even more. So I could see in that first session all the dots of therapy that what I, I rescued in therapy, in meditation, uh, in spirituality. But the main piece, the main pieces was honestly the medicine that gave me. And I felt so grateful. I felt so much honesty. I felt so, so much truth, you know, and expansion through the healing, connecting all our dimensions that they are not all, as we know. Uh, but I could, for the first time, to integrate my spirit that was really expanded with my emotional system that was really broken, even with a lot of work and with my physical power and memory on the physicality, on cells, that I, I couldn't move, I couldn't defend myself. And with my mind, the recognition of the rational mind on the momentum, and how many times rational mind is stopping us to really let go the defense self mechanism so we can go deeper. So with years of therapies in me, I said, I'm home. I will. I really said, I'm going to give my life to this because I recognized the healing in me. It was how I arrived to that point. And of course, there's a long way till now. A beautiful one, full of healing, full of uh, growth. And uh, I hope that goes on. What year was that where you, you first discovered ayahuasca? So, I should not say this, 
because of legal terms, but in that time was not illegal. It was many years ago, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, uh, where ayahuasca would not come in even on the, the law as illegal substances, so I can say. So it was first time I in Peru I tried to take ayahuasca, but somehow the life didn't allow me. I was pregnant of my kids, and I believe because I had a situation before, uh, somehow I couldn't find. So when they had one year old, Jose Campos, that is my friend, my family, and it, he was my teacher for a long time, and he will be always. Um, he came for the first time to Europe, to Portugal, and that happened in that ceremony. And of course, it was very, um, was a strong situation. It's not every day that we see something like this. And so we were talking a lot, and after that situation, even when they wanted, you know, to speak strongly with that person, I said, look, this is a very sick person, otherwise he would not do this. So we need to put limits, of course, but now we need to help him. So from that place of uh, meeting, uh, on that depth of healing, me and Jose started to uh, become really close, because for him was a very strong situation to have a responsible of a ceremony. And immediately after some months, I went to the jungle and we didn't, you know, separated anymore for many years. So we started to travel the world, doing ceremonies. I would organize, I would assist till one day uh, he started to say, you need to come. But I couldn't come till I really find that and found that inside of me. So I would say, no, I don't feel it. I'm exactly where I should be assisting. I'm beautifully happy and grateful here and there was a situation that he had to come out of the Malacca and it was the moment that I had for the first time to really take the ceremony because nobody was there uh, because he was supporting a person that was not uh, you know it was a strong process and for that moment because I needed and all these visions you know how is it you know all these dimensions understandings insights and I saw how ayahuasca was really putting has the first ceremony in a situation that I, I needed to recognize, that to feel at home, to do, you know, the most honest work that we can do, even if we are not an indigenous, uh, if we have, you know, a true healing process, true willingness to work on ourselves, to understand that we are endless process of uh, unfolding uh, universe inside of us. Um, so in that moment, understanding all these things in a deeper level, I accepted and say, okay, I take the ceremony. And that's how I accepted. And in our traditions, they say that should be like this. Ayahuasca somehow chooses. But in this moment, it's not like that. And we need maybe to help people to be trained in a professional way. It's interesting now that I think about it. I, I had reached out to Jose Campos, I think in 2012, and I had a few emails with an assistant okay. of his. I wonder if maybe uh, we were, we were maybe. in communication back then. But he, he had several from, for me it was yeah. Portugal, Hungary, uh, Russia, Ukraine, you know, more this Europe mm -hmm. list uh, area in Portugal. So for France would be another person, for England another person. Okay. 
This was for Peru, I think. So, but yeah, it was for a long Peru time is ago, another so, person. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's his niece. <laughs> okay. Liz. Yeah. So, so you said you lived in the Amazon for a long time, training with him. What What was that process like? I mean, you know, it, it sounds like you had traveled, so it probably wasn't such a foreign concept being in that environment but but I would imagine there's still some pretty significant changes that you're going through I mean the Amazon's a very particular place very particular environment that work is you know, there's a certain charge to it and, mm -hmm. and I imagine that it was quite a quite an experience it, would you call it like an apprenticeship you were going through with him or you, you Honestly, in the beginning, I didn't consider that I was, you know, in apprenticeship, even if I was, because I was assisting, but not with the intention of becoming something. So for me, I was really there for healing, for my own healing. I could see really big steps, the way I would perceive life, the way I would communicate, the way I would uh, deal with my triggers, how I was forgiving my mother for not seeing the sexual abuse, how I recovered my ability to be a great mother, honestly, because a sexual abused child is afraid to be a mother many times, even if it desires, because there's so much fear. So observing all that, um, for me, Amazon was home, honestly. Is I can walk there. Uh, it's, it's home, you know, it's really, it's like, uh, it's like the beach, the ocean and Amazonia. So. I learned a lot. I'm still learning, even if we don't work now, I work alone. We have the same camp. Uh, we are really great friends. And now we are doing a, a good project that is a reservation that we buy more land to protect and to replant, to reforest, to protect the animals. So we are highly connected. But my apprenticeship, honestly, was through my own healing. The more honest I was, the more I was working with my shadow, with my traumas, traveling to other dimensions. Thank God I met Ayahuasca. You know that I was so, such a sensitive person and child. And now I met a place where that sensitivity had uh, a place, had space, has true meaning and could help others because assisting, you know, how we work with people. So, but it was through my own healing that I was really learning in a deep level what happens to a human being uh, under that process. And of course, through Jose, but Jose, he's a, he's a person that he doesn't teach a lot with words. He's more in ceremony and then we can process step by step, not much rational information, more how the person it is emotionally, what is going on. And then, because I was coming from the therapy world and meditation, all these things, and from the red path, so sweat lodge, vision quest, many things like this, I started to say, Jose, look, 15 years ago, we were equesters. We would give our life to do a process. We were okay. Now, so many people that they are considered, you know, the normal human being of cities, that they are comfortable, they have everything, they are not uh, used to have big challenge in terms of survival. And so we need to start to implement what I use in other retreats because I was all already holding these therapeutical retreats, etc. Therapeutical with meditation, with spirituality was always a combination. And we start to include the medical interview, the first session 
online because people were coming from other places. And then we need to do sharing. So I started to hold the sharings because Jose was not really into that. Um, and year after year, he became even more. It was a beautiful learning process to see him coming out with that too. And uh, the integration work after. So for so many years, all this work of preparation, then processing the, sh the ceremonies and the integration that normally takes three months was something that I started to implement there because I was seeing, you know, normal people that they never took a drug, for example, or they are used to get what they want, to come to a jungle, there's no electricity, no internet, you are alone in your tambu, you only meet the yes, they know, you know the dieta. It can be very challenging. So, more, more or less like this. It's, it's kind of a, a basic question. I, most people listening to this will be familiar with ayahuasca. Probably many of them have worked with ayahuasca or, or maybe similar plants. Um, but, but for you, if you were describing ayahuasca to someone who, who hasn't worked with it, how would you describe it? And then maybe even to people who have worked with it. You know, it's always interesting hearing different perspectives from different lineages. Uh, um, I think many of the people I've interviewed on this have, have come from like a, a, a Shipibo lineage, for example, and they you know, very particular way of working with it. And Jose Campos, I, I guess you would you would call him like Mestizo, Mestizo Cornandero. Mm -hmm. um, and I always find it fascinating, um, you know, how these things bridge together, their histories, how people are working. Um, so yeah, maybe can you talk a little bit about ayahuasca just from a very like fundamental uh, place, mm -hmm. um, and then also maybe a bit of, of, of what that looks like, like how, how working looks, what, what, what the ceremony is, what that consists of, what, what the role of someone like Jose is, what your role is when you're talking about like training or, or facilitating or helping people, like what, what is that, what does that look like, what does that feel like? Um, first I want to say that Jose came from the mountains, Peruvian mountains, Cajamarca, and his grandfather was a healer with San Pedro, San Pedrero. And um, I want to say that he's one of the persons that I really trust because he's really simple. He doesn't pretend to have an image of a shaman. And he's, you know, a normal person, goes with his car to have lunch, to get kids from school. And then he sits in ceremony, he does his work. And one of the most beautiful qualities that he has he can accept someone like me, that I started very young with him, has a, a client. And uh, when we grow together, you know, there was things that he has to. And I could come and say, Jose, look here, this is not okay. And he, will, he had the humbleness and the truth to say, you are right, Satya. So for me, you know, the lineage, I'm going to say something that maybe it can hurt some people. But the more I walk my life, it's not about the ayahuasca, it's not about the religion, it's not about the Osho, retreat centers, Tantra. It's about us, deeply. And any key can help us, if we are available. You don't even need to do any practice, if you are really available. 
So when people ask me, like, how is the fundamental of ayahuasca? I said, the fundamental part is you. Are you ready to allow yourself to see the truth? Are you ready to really confront your shadow in terms of, you know, personality structure, see the traumas, the consequence of that, the lineage of your traumas? Are you really ready to take responsibility and say, yes, I am the one jealous. I am the one manipulating. And I am the one praying that I can heal. So uh, at the end, I don't see ayahuasca or San Pedro or any other plant or any other practice has the fundamental question. It's us always. But and they are a blessing in our lives. They have the potential to open our consciousness, to expand. But it's, they don't work alone. Nothing works alone at the end. We are interdependent of everything in this ecosystem. It's an illusion. And we humans, we want to be in control. We want to, to be the ones that we did it. And it's true in a certain way. We are the only beings that has the ability to create science, art, poetry, philosophy. So why should we be the ones destroying this planet? Because we are highly disconnected with life itself. We are life itself. We are the mystery of life. We don't recognize that. We don't recognize that we are God itself, that we are the quantum space. We are playing a game that somehow we are above everything. And at the end, the result is depression, suicide, anxiety, isolation, addictions. And we are in a moment that we can recover step by step that is not ayahuasca that will do it, is not a psychedelic that will do it, it's not a meditation, it's us with all the support of that. So for me, ayahuasca, that is one of my loves, um, it's a key that if you, me, everyone has a true willingness to heal, they will help us in a way that we are not expecting because we are not in contact with the depth of our existence and they have the potential to help us in that so what all the ancient masters ancient wisdom were saying we are one my action has a consequence your actions everyone is interconnected the separation of the physical body is a big illusion is an illusion but we live in a complex world that duality is one of the bases. And the more we accept duality, we find unity. And quantum physics now and uh, uh, quantum mechanics, they are arriving to a little proof of what we are saying for millenniums. That the Planck is the smallest um, particle that they quanti can quantify and is everywhere. So telepathy is normal, teletransportation will be normal, but the more we have resources, the more we need to become conscious. Otherwise, how we will use all these resources to make another war, to compete even more? So the question is not the money, the guns, the clothes, it's how we are conscious about it. And I believe the power of these plants, the power of natural psychedelics, um, is a community healing that is not only individual. So many people say, I'm going to a ceremony to heal myself. 
Sometimes I even laugh inside. You can't imagine what you will come here to do. Because your healing will be our healing. It, and this is true. Because through their noise, through their visions, through the sweat, through ancestor lineage healing, we are healing the world. No one is isolated. And when I cry and when I do a sound and movement, you have an impact in yourself. And it opens a new process. And that has a true impact on our cell levels. So all these years working with cancer, what I see, cancer and other diseases, what I see is the more we can have an honest healing process on our spiritual level, emotional level, the physical will follow. And of course, this is with exams before ceremonies and after ceremonies, exams, uh, uh, how do you say, medical exams. So we see how the cancer reduces and other diseases. And many times we receive people that their body is not available anymore to heal. And even their family constellation is not ready to let go and to heal themselves. So the healing is more complex that we can realize rationally. We are not healing only my body. We are healing my relations, the way I will perceive life, the way I forgive myself, I forgive others, how I can get ready for death, or how can I grab life again and really have a second chance. So the depth of this healing is immense. And I really bow myself to it because honestly, me as a human, I don't see how we in this state that we are, can do that without that help. And another thing that I see that is very curious for myself is how a plant is teaching us to become more humans. So she's traveling around the world. We were looking and she started to travel. And if we go into the depth of history of mankind, 99% of people were slaves for millenniums. And we still are. And how this plant is liberating us at the same time, how the modern population are going to the jungle and shouting to them, look, we already did these mistakes. And many Europeans and Americans, they are the ones building the retreat centers and really preserve the Amazonia and really preserve the transitions. And many of them, they, are, they want phones, they want power, they want sex because they didn't have it in that way. And when the confrontation comes, you know, it's not we destroy only them. We destroyed with colonialism. It's true. But this shadow is in everyone. And the power of healing is in everyone. The rising of consciousness is for all, not only for few. So for me, it's not you being becoming an indigenous or you are a master of anything. It's like, show me who you are. And then we can speak. And that is the difference that I believe that we all need to step in. In spiritual world, so many people hide themselves behind meditation, behind trend, behind ayahuasca, behind shamanism. And I hear people like just speaking, like they, they swallow a book and they are repeating sentence. But the way they move, the way they look to each other, when they are not aware, they are not pretending you know, the, we sit in a restaurant, give me this, give me that, without saying, I am sorry, I'm really nervous today. That is something. That for me is where I really say, where are we all going? 
Because if spirituality, if shamanism is another way to have a self-image, so we can have a little bit more attention, a little bit more power, a little bit of whatever, we are repeating the history of mankind. And for me, I work for the other direction in the sense like sexuality is sacred, spirituality is sacred, your physical body is sacred, everything in us is sacred. We need to remember that. Nature is sacred, animals are sacred. How can we become more humans and to take care of principle of life inside of us and inside of others? So all these plants, all the work, with plants or without plants, it's a great possibility to step into consciousness and to expand into a way that we surrender to the mystery of life, that one day we will jump into death. What is death? It's another podcast. And... Um, and yes, the natural psychedelics for me is one of the most amazing keys and teachers in that sense for our humanity, if well preserved, if we take care of people, if we respect the sacred of ancient traditions that have millenniums, and we understand the communion of men, nature, and there's no separation even if we have a different consciousness, because everything has a consciousness and the vibration and the frequency. How can we remember our interconnection that we belong to this ecosystem while we are here? Beautiful. So you, you were saying you had a, a background in psychology before coming to these plants. Um, and, and I think that gives you a unique perspective, uh, you know, because it's all of these things that there's a certain cosmovision that, that goes around it, Western psychology, that there's a certain worldview, a certain cosmovision. A lot of these indigenous Amazonian traditions uh, with ayahuasca, for example, there's a certain cosmovision. What was that like as you began to, to kind of merge those two? Did, did you see they actually complemented each other? Were, were there kind of shortcomings or like keys that began to, to merge or unlock? Because it, you know, it also seems that, that we're moving in this time where these plants are also coming under this kind of guise or umbrella of psychology, of, of Western psychology, mm -hmm. which has its benefit for sure. Um, but it, as I've talked about in a couple of, of recent podcasts too, there, there's a certain amputation that comes. It's because these plants are amazing at mm -hmm. enlightening certain aspects of, of the psyche, of the consciousness. And yet, as you're kind of alluding to, that they can be so much more than that as well. So, I don't know if that's a precise question, but yes, maybe totally. you, can, you can speak a little bit uh, about that theme. Totally. Um, I really hear you. I really understand what you somehow, I believe that I, I hear you. So, first of all, I don't have a degree in psychology. I have a degree in uh, law and I come from marketing, the first marketing office for Billabong, mm -hmm. so a uh, surf brand. So I was always really connected with surf and nature was our temple and it still is. And um, in the time that they were not in stock market was the beginning of surf. It was amazing life, honestly. You know, we would work barefoot, we would close the office because there's good ways. We would, it was really different uh, time. So, regarding this question, 
my experience with uh, psychotherapy was because I started to look for help and then I started to train myself in uh, psychotherapy, different, uh, you know, techniques like trauma, trauma healing, uh, emotional expression, uh, quantum physics, many things so that I, I started to get together because I understood that watching my healing through psychotherapy we would stay years and years trying to understand my mind many times of course emotionally and bodily like my energetic holotropic breath work but mainly the self-observation was from a very analytical point and that would bring us to a point of stuckness we couldn't go beyond that and I saw how many communities they were years and years analyzing themselves and not taking responsibility. Okay, my mother did this, my father did this. They couldn't do better because maybe they are even more traumatized than me. Um, when do I start to take my responsibility? What is the story that I want to tell from now on? And most of people, they, you know, they are owned by the story. They are the victims of their story. And in psychotherapy world you know this faith this longing for home these existential questions they are perceived from analytical points not from faith feeling expansion on the spiritual uh, side that i include shamanism what i saw was people were always so high all the time and then coming home and preaching who found the light uh, what other people should do that they need to surrender to ayahuasca to christianism to muslim the same story of centuries so i understood for myself looking to those these different poles how i could really help myself and helping myself was of course we need us an observer of course we need an analytical rational mind so we can implement you know, different habits, so we, different strategies, so we can communicate in a certain way. And that is through the emotional level and rational um, experience of the world. At the same time, the true expansion is when we let go control and we open ourselves to, I don't know, at the end I really don't know. And this is something for the brain, for the mind, you know, it's really frightening. So how could we combine these two worlds? Because in this world, there was a lot of projections too. I see, I have the vision. I know what is light. My God is better than yours. So again, the competition. So when I started to feel that in a very young age, I said, no way. I don't belong to anywhere. I belong to the cosmos. I belong to a consciousness that I can't explain with words. So I believe the union of these two worlds is something that can help you to fly into other dimensions, to explore belief systems in a way that you hold them so you can have a goal in life you feel safe and you can let go and to expand your consciousness, you can expand your perspective of life, you can face death maybe with, you know, I don't know what is in the other side, but I can let go, I can die in peace, I can forgive, you know, I can let go bitterness, I can let go being a sexual abused victim, I can rewrite my story because I am the infinite possibility of this world. 
But without the rational part that we have kids, we have responsibilities, we agree that there's a timeline somehow to live here all together. You know, when time starts to break and space, we'll be very curious to be in this planet. When our consciousness evolved to that, I'm very curious to see the next five, 15 years with this uh, intelligence, artificial intelligence that will, you know, change totally our world, our perspective. How nature will influence everything because if we don't recognize immediately that this is our home, we need to breathe this air, we need this clear water, we need the ecosystem to be in balance. So we are in balance. It's not just we make this to be in balance so we survive. No, it's a totally different way of perceiving. So I believe that both worlds, they live together because we are a very complex system that no part is isolated from another. We live together, we are one system. Organs, cells, spirit, spirit emotions, mind, physicality, interconnection, surrendering to the unknown. That is us. Yeah, beautiful. You, you mentioned this idea of, of, of the red path, uh, and this was something you were doing before you came to plant medicine. No, or... by the opposite. I said that. So I was then when I speaking, not that. Okay. I started okay. with ayahuasca, uh -huh. and then I went to the red path. Okay. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about yes. that? I, I'm sure some people are familiar with that, but I think for a lot of people, they, they, they don't know what that entails. Yes. And, and it's, it's quite interesting. It's a beautiful path of shamanism too. In the red path that I follow is the sacred fire of Ichilach Lang, that Carmen Vicente was the leader of this uh, spiritual path. And it's the union of the eagle and condor of North and South America together. And the, their practice includes natural psychedelics, sweat lodge, vision quants, sun dance, the night of the spirits, the moon dance. And uh, once I was already leading uh, Sweat Lodge before the Red Path and ceremonies, I believe. And there's a Red Wolf that was a friend of mine from Red Path. He said, you know, Satya, if you are growing in this path of shamanism, you need to know a woman. You know, you need to go and meet Carmen Vicente. And I did it. And I'm really honored and thankful and grateful for what this woman taught me. You know, she's half a meter, powerful spirit, amazing uh, speaker, and very strong spirit, very strong, but a kind heart too. And has a woman looking to another woman, you know, that to survive, you know, man's world, she became a rock. And how through the years of all the work that she's, you know, she's really embodying the work, she's really serving in that path, the, the wisdom, the best way that she can, of course, has all of us, how she became with age more tender without losing her power. And so I was with her for many years, organizing her in Portugal, so it was Carmen Jose, from, um, Wicholes was Maracames, was Don Tonio, he was my teacher too, 
with um, Peyote, and he died already. He passed away. Uh, but they were incredible human beings, doing their best because they have their things too. And um, on the bread path, what I felt with honesty, there's a place that red path is to a political system. And spirituality is there, but the organization of the community is political. So I could see from my perspective how that could be distorted to with all the beauty there is, that I bow to it. I'm a sacred pipes carrier, I'm a sweat lodge carrier, I'm a vision quester, I hold a vision quest. But how can we step out of all this? How can we evolve in a conscious way that these practices are not corrupted by our own soul? That is my question. And I question myself, am I doing with ethic? Because it's a sacrifice, honestly. We give our life, we give our time that we take from our families, that we take from our own lovers, that we take from our own pleasure to serve, to serve people, to serve people that they are in pain, people that, you know, they have process of dying, that they have strong process of healing. We give our life, we give our sweat, we give our blood. So to do it from a conscious way, we need to ask, am I doing my own work? How can I have integrity to stand in front of a group of people? And what I say is what I do in my life. Uh, so, and that, I think, is for everything. For anything. For politics, for churches, religion, for educational system, medical system, for spirituality. From from the little I've I, I've heard of you, it seems like you're you're really beginning to integrate a lot of these different paths, like working with sacred plants, working with with vision quests, with sweats, uh, doing retreats on sexuality, on inner child work. I, I might yeah. be making that up, but <laughs> no, no, it's true. Okay, um, you know that's a lot, and you know also as you said, like all of these things are like a key. And you know, each one has its medicine. It, it, it can be a world within itself, and it can be very specific for, for certain things. And, um, you know, much like I think any good doctor, it's like knowing when to use what medicine. Um, and yet at the same time, like all of these paths can be like universes within themselves. Like there, there's plenty of people who all they know is ayahuasca because that's all they have. That's, that's what was taught to them. That's what was given to them. But we do seem to be living in this time, even there, there's these prophecies of this idea of like bridging medicines from the four directions to create a new earth. Um, how do you find it is working with, with these different modalities? And, and, and how, do you, how do you choose? Like, what is speaking to you? What's calling you? What, what's guiding you to know, like, okay, this is what I want to do now, or this is what I think someone needs, or... Uh, like how even to allocate my time because you know as you said it's there is there, there's a sacrifice there's a there's a giving so what's 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 kind of guiding you to to work with these different modalities and um, what do you find working with 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 all of these different things mm -hmm. so first of all since very young age I have this sensation that to come to this life 
It's not only to have fun. We need fun. We all need. But there was an urge, you know, to, to contribute somehow. You know, I, I had this feeling from very a young age. And, and when I arrived to a place of really going to deep healing on myself, I could see that one technique is not enough. So in maybe some days in a ceremony, I can see, heal, integrate something. But then in psychotherapy, I integrate another. And then in sexuality, I integrate another. And then with meditation, I can expand or to self-observe. Uh, with breath work, I can go to places of my body that they are really highly stuck with emotions and mind programs in my hips, in my knees, in my muscles. And so what I saw is one thing, honestly, in my perspective, is not enough. So I locate my time like this. Retreats without medicine, but, and they have rituals, ancient rituals. So we can take the spirit with the psychotherapy and meditation and body movement and dance and cathartic work. So many people repress their anger or they don't know how to, what to do with their anger. You know, we need, they need to know how to live in that way. And then I allocate a lot of time to uh, psychedelic, natural psychedelics and the reservation because they are a very important key. They really work. They really save people's lives. We forgive things that they are unforgivable. Thank God we can. Uh, we heal cancers. People can, you know, give another step in their depth of perceiving reality. They can change the perception of reality. We need that. And then, because I am one, what I'm doing now is to, we created the school five years ago, and it's a very profound training for two years, where I'm training awareness facilitators with all these techniques, so they can use in individual sessions and to whole retreats that I created and we will create in, in the future together. So people, they have different spaces, so they can experience themselves, so they can have more possibilities than only one path. And another thing is, I'm giving a lot of time to talk. I'm, I'm a really low profile. I don't seem because I'm a good communicator, but I'm really reserved. And I didn't have even internet before. And with the pandemic, my team said, Sati, we need to go on air. And I felt a reason, but I, I need to be in the retreats. That is my, you know, that's where I can really help. And I found during this uh, transformation, that was a transformation for me too that being in the United Nations, being in Milken Institutes, in uh, universities, in you know, really giving speeches about this, what is consciousness, how natural psychedelics, how this work of spirituality, what is spirituality? I'm giving at the MBA in Portugal, in the Nova University, the spiritual day. It's an entire day dedicated to spirituality that we end in a huge ritual of tobacco, the four tobacco direction, without medicine, of course. And they are so welcome. This is so welcome. People that they are the leaders of companies, politicians in that um, trainings. So people are, I believe that people are craving for authenticity. Uh, so I decided and one project more, we have several, honestly. So that's why we are growing the team. And unfortunately, but the life has their own unique way to make us to see things and to change us, to transform us into the direction of more, let's say, consciousness through the war, because it was my second home was Russia and Ukraine. 
I had stopped to work there that I was in the last 15 years there. So a lot of people came out, like Sophia, you know, all of them, Mira that you met now. Uh, and now, before we were two people and I had different organizers around the world, and now it's the opposite. We are a 13 company, people company. So we, uh, immediately in one month I had to grow because they came without work and said I need to give work. And so we are growing areas, kids and teens areas, elder uh, areas, the addiction areas, the food. So all these that is, are parts of us. And training them, the awareness facilitators, to be really conscious people. Because one thing is to know the technique. And if a facilitator is with the technique, the person can't open. Because they feel that they are not really present. That we are not really, you know, where they are, breathing with them. Sometimes without pushing, sometimes even pushing, but not from a place of judgment and criticism, but with hands by hand, I'm here, you know, I'm here, feel the fear, it's, it's okay, we are here together, and respecting that they can't, they can't, they don't want, and that is your healing process, is your expansion of consciousness that will give that, and the technique will be there to give a space for them to experience that. So, I, I, in Awareness Facilitator School, for me, the most important part is all my students, they end up as the more conscious human beings that they can be. The technique is easy. They can read anywhere. But to be present, to be responsible for emotions, for their mindset, you know, their, their projections, to, to see the hooks and say, here it is how I want to answer, how I want to respond consciously to life. Without that, we are just, you know, technicians of what? Of nothing at the end. Because there's nothing there. There's only the human being that is the entire universe having that experience of individualization. And if you don't go through that and you find that inside of yourself, how oh, you will feel that you're another person just a theory that someone tells you and you memorize. But there's no depth, there's no experience on that. Uh, so I give a lot of attention to awareness facilitator. Um, the last two years and the next three, it's a, it's a five years that I said I will stretch myself. So when they come out to hold retreats, they are really there. So they don't hurt people, they can really hold the space for people. And giving a lot of time to these talks because I really understand that help them. Even if in the beginning I was highly resistant. And now I'm even learning, you know, I'm learning to be a better speaker, to be more conscious, to read an audience, a big audience, to interact in a subtle way with them, taking them to the existential questions so they can open in, what, 10 minutes to a person in front of them. Last week I was in jail speaking with 50 men that they are in jail from 5 to 12 years. And I just sat there, looked to them, they looked to me, and the only thing that came up was what I will tell them. I don't have anything to tell them with a speech that I can remember. I just need to tell the truth. They are in the most difficult place on earth. What can I say? I just said the truth. I was sexually abused. I was a victim. And then I had to turn that I transform all that pain into wisdom. And here I am working with militaries, with addictions, with trauma. And I know by myself that it's possible. And explaining to them that the child, 
when she's born. She's, you know, in that space that she needs love and affection and attention, physical, emotional. And parents, we the parents, are highly traumatized. So we don't give the attention needed and maybe we can't even give everything to that child. So the child starts to behave in a way to call the attention of parents. So she starts to create the personality structure so she can get the attention and her authenticity is left repressed. So we live in inner conflict all the time. So most of them, I was saying, you know, most of you was like me. I was highly traumatized and be aware that the trauma is not the sexual abuse, is how I perceive the sexual abuse. Because maybe for me, it's not such a big thing as for another person. Or maybe the loss of your mother is bigger than sexual abuse. So when you start to protect yourself and to create strategies of surviving to get the attention and love that a child needs, your authenticities you know, was repressed because there was no one holding that, that you have the right to be who you are. And that's why the pain is so big, the conflict is so big, that we all go into drugs, TV, food, toxic relations, you know, everything. Gaming, pornography, everything that help us to not feel the pain. And you know, when I was explaining this, they all melted. And they started to say, Senora, Thank you. My story is this. And they came up. My mother was dead when I was two years old and I felt always alone. So drugs were for me. You know, my father was beating me and he was betraying my mother. So alcohol for me was... So all of them coming out, 50 strong men. And what I see there, it's a child that was highly hurted. And it just found a way to survive. Not maybe in the best way in terms of society, but you know, maybe they are even more, you know, wild, more rebel, or sometimes even more honest than so many of us that we pretend that we are so, and we have double lives, and we do so many things behind our image to society. So I don't judge them, and I don't judge anyone honestly there's a very painful dimension inside of us that we really need to look and to own it and to work with it and honestly pain transforming is the reason when we really give a chance if we have the right people by our side holding our hands being there because we need support there's no other way some can do a little bit better alone but we need support somehow You mentioned you're speaking at the UN. Can you talk about that? What, what, is, the, what is the UN looking to bring Satya to, to talk about? So the, it was a beautiful invitation in the sense that I had to bring a meditation, first meditation for Pacto Global, Brazil, that is an area of uh, United Nations, is like the, the leaders of Brazil, how they want to create a new Brazil, how they want to embody the principles. So they wanted a meditation and a talk about mental health. Mm. And uh, I had the honor of being there and to really expose what I believe and to do a speech of mental health and then guided a, med a meditation. It's already second time. We were in G27 mm -hmm. in Egypt. doesn't matter. In Egypt. The, the G27 summit. Yes, yeah. yes, we were there. 
G27 summit was the first time for Pact Global. And then now in New York this year in the um, United Nations. And my, my message is, look, we need to find new laws. We need to preserve nature. Da -da 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 -da. Mental health problem is rising. The depression is, the numbers are, you know, shocking. Uh, teenager suicide is even more shocking. So it's not what is wrong about with, with teenagers and sick people. Is what is, what is happening to us is COP27, COP, mm. not G, COP27 in Egypt. Um, what is happening to us? Why, if we have so many other, so many resources, why we are not evolving? So, and to, to, to give numbers, to make them to realize that our teenagers are committing suicide like no other time in humanity. And this is something that we need to pay attention to. Look, it's our kids, it's not our neighbor kid, it's my kid that he's dealing with that. It's all our kids. And then bringing a practice and meditation that brings them inside so they start to feel emotions. And it was beautiful. You know, they really open up. Many people, they had strong feelings, tears coming out. And I believe, you know, when people say, they are in power. They, they forget they are human beings. They are our brothers and sisters, our parents. They somehow are in pain like us and they are doing their best. And most of them, they don't know. Their strategy of surviving is power, is money. Is the mission that was corrupted in the middle of the way. Many of them, they, they have true intentions. I say most of them. How then we corrupt ourselves is another big talk, and why do we corrupt ourselves? So it's a, it's a true collective healing that we are in the moment more than ever. You mentioned some of these things, things like depression, anxiety, suicide with children. I mean, suicide rates in general with, with you mentioned war, I mean, the huge... <laughs> I mean, I think I heard the other day, I think it's something like four people in the U.S., four veterans a day commit suicide. You know, I have to double-check that number, but it's an extremely high amount. Uh, also in the U.S., where I come from, I think every year annually it's something like 150, 175,000 people die from pharmaceutical overdoses. Uh, and these are things that we don't seem to be talking about as a society. You know, there's so many other issues that we tend to focus on, um, but it does seem like like there is there is a suffering that's going on. There there is something in our minds that's not aligned, that, that that's not whole. Um, and at the same time, it seems like this work is emerging almost at a symbiotic rate. Mm -hmm. Things like plant medicine, things like you know many of the practices you're doing. Um, and it seems like there's an opening, and yet at the same time, there's there's constraints. There, there there's people holding on to to the last threads. Just the fact that you were able to speak at UN seems like a, a tremendous move, and in, in, in a direction that is beginning to open to to bridge. How do you see this work becoming integrated in societies? Um, 
because again, we, we do tend to compartmentalize things mm -hmm. a lot, and as you said, reduce things like in, in this very natural dualistic manner of. Mm. Um, but I mean, even you mentioned this term like integration, like even integration with plant work, it means to make whole, like not to, to create all these separate parts, but to bring things together. So how do you see this work beginning to, to broaden, to, to move out in, in, into, into life, in, into people, um, to actually begin this healing, which, which as I think as you wisely said, it, it seems like there is a real disconnect. Like we have humans, we've, in all of our intellect and, and learning, we, we've gotten further and further away from like some of the most basic things, like what does it mean to breathe fresh air? What does it mean to, to, to swim in the ocean? What does it mean to, to have our hands in the soil? And even as we move towards AI, towards these like more and more disconnect of thinking that we can somehow negate all of this reality. Um, and I, this is a big question, but <laughs> but where do you see where do you see this work moving? How do you see it unfolding? Um, you know, and 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 I obviously it depends too. It depends where people are mm -hmm. in their own process and societies and, and cultures. We're we're all at different places, but uh, from from your perspective, how do you how do you see this work beginning to expand? Um. It's expanding a lot the last 15 years, you know, when I started, only a few in the world would really, you know, be there, do the work. Of course, ancient traditions like uh, China, Japan, Nepal, you know, the, where spirituality really stayed alive, they are still doing, but we have so many problems inside of those uh, philosophies too. Um, so I believe that one of the things is to integrate in the educational system worldwide at least conscious self-conscious classes and community being aware of the other this is highly important we teach math we teach portuguese we teach english but then we don't teach you know the basic of human being how to communicate how to express your needs how to express your boundaries how to respect others and then if we can go to the relation the awareness about our relation with the planet would be amazing already. It would be a, a big step to integrate that in the educational system. And the educational system is falling apart. Kids are bored. Kids doesn't like the way they are learning. How can we embrace them in a way that, of course, it's impossible to stop AI now. It will be impossible, even if we want. But how can we prepare them to integrate all this technology in this planet Earth where we have a body, where we have blood, where we need water, where we need fresh air, that we live together. So that is one thing. Another is to change medical care system is highly important. That to understand that the human body is not a division of organs. They work collectively and doctors, they are doing honestly amazing work for the conditions. They are highly depressed, stressed. So the ones that take care of our uh, medical care system, they are the ones more depressed than ever. They work hours without limits. They don't have resources. They don't even earn enough money to have a, a life that they can choose to rest a little bit. 
So everything is really distorted. We need to start looking to how can we help the human being to develop their own consciousness so we don't repeat the same mistakes. I don't see any other way, honestly. We can change the laws, change the way we live, change the... But then if we don't really do the inner process, we will repeat, we will corrupt. I want more than you. I'm special, more special than you. For my family is more important, my little garden, my little life. We end up here because of this. Surviving mode, protection. Because our history was really painful. But, and, we have the great potential. You know, we are the universe inside and everywhere. If we can remember that, if we can develop strategies, how we develop to not feel the pain, but now to go through the pain and to expand our wisdom. Wow. Uh, I'm not really positive person, you know, I'm really real. Like, mm, honestly, where we are going, we are in a fine line. It's okay. If everything blows up, we will go. Everything will, you know, have their own course in the universe. But at least while I'm here, I will contribute, not sit with my arms crossed and to enjoy the beauty of life. We need to vibrate that. We need to, you know, allow life to surprise us, the innocence to remain, you know, to, to melt with, uh, with love again, even if our heart was broken a thousand times. You know, otherwise, what are we doing here? A drama? No. No. <laughs> Beautiful, Satya. Um, I know we don't have a ton of time, and it, it, it's quite hot in here. You it know, is. It's, it's a lovely so, but <laughs> so much. I like <laughs> Even here inside, I, I have a river, you know? <laughs> Is there anything you, you'd like to talk about that we didn't touch on? No, thanks yeah. so much for your time and questions yeah. that they are so, you know, uh, beautiful, deep, interesting. Uh, they are lifting human consciousness. Thank mm. you for your presence. That is beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much for this presence. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm sure we could talk for another hours yes um, so maybe maybe we do round two uh, at, at some point and i want uh, to listen to you more <laughs> yeah if it's yeah. possible yeah absolutely honestly yeah well thank you so much um if, if people listen to this and and they, they feel inspired or they want to reach out to you or, or learn more about you what's what's the best way of doing that i, I think the best way is going to our website working with satya.com or instagram working with satya where we have our contacts they you know and then they can contact us and we will be there serving them the best way that we can mm. and is there anything uh, like coming up if someone listens to this and they're like wow i i really want to come work with you um do you have like workshops coming up yes. or, or, or there's a lot in the website there's a lot okay. we have every month okay. you know okay. it's our life and we have a lot of fun mm. doing it so we'll not stop that's an important part. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank it was beautiful. you. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks so much, yeah. Jason. And thank you for organizing this. <laughs> there's, there's two people off camera you can't see. So. They are amazing people, huh? 
Yes. They are really real people yeah. doing, doing their work too. <laughs> All right, everyone, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that show. Uh, it was a pleasure for me to sit down and speak with her. She has a beautiful presence, and I think she's doing amazing work. So I hope you all were able to gain something from that um, episode. As always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really beautiful option. Um, you can sign up on their website for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Uh, it's a really big help to me. It's really uh, the, the main way that allows me to continue uh, to make this podcast and to bring on these guests. To all the people who are doing that, who are supporting in that way, thank you very much for your support. And if you're able to do that, thank you in advance. One of the things I really like about that uh, idea is it's very much working on this idea of reciprocity, which is really, I think, one of the the foundations of of this plant medicine work or, or just work in general is really this idea of an exchange and a reciprocity. So, uh, again, thank you very much for that. Um, if you're not able to do that, as always, just doing some of the really small things, uh, really helps with the algorithms to getting the show out to a bigger audience. So if you're viewing this, the video version, uh, albeit on YouTube or uh, Rumble, hitting the uh, subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, leaving any questions or comments in the comment section, that really helps. Uh, and then with the audio version on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leaving a starred rating and a short review is also a really big help. Uh, I'm just returning from a couple months abroad uh, where I was in... Um, Portugal and Ireland running dieta with uh, with plant medicines, uh, working with trees through the medium of tobacco, and it was a beautiful experience and a beautiful time. Uh, I have a few weeks here back in Peru before I head to the U.S. to continue running diets. I think we still have a few spots left for our Colorado retreat. I believe the first week is maybe sold out, but we still have uh, space on the the second week, although when this is published, that may have already started. Um, and then our New York retreat, we still have a few spots left. So if you'd like more information about that, you can check out my website at nicotianarustica.org. Uh, and then with that, um, I shot a number of these episodes in advance, uh, so this is kind of the last episode I've shot uh, before I start to look into some new guests, so I'm not exactly sure of the lineup of the guests coming up after this, uh, but I'll sit down in the coming days and weeks and begin to interview some new people, uh, and as always, I hope to bring on some really fascinating guests. So I hope this finds you all well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, for listening, for your support, for your feedback. Um, and I hope this finds you all well and beautiful, and I will see you all on the next episode.